Welcome to the Rap Race to Five podcast, where we discuss money, mindset, real estate investing, and ways to achieve financial independence. Whether you are a rookie or a veteran needing new ideas for investing or creating side hustles, you're in the right place. Here to challenge you to think out of the box, your hosts, Felipe Mejia and Diego Corzo. Diego, what's up, man? I know you're coming all the way from Puerto Rico for today's episode. Yes, sir. How are you, Felipe? Dude, I'm doing really good. Really good. I just got my uh, personal residence under contract. Uh, I'm 32 or something. been investing for six years, and I'm finally buying my personal residence. I think you're getting yours as well soon. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We have Mandy today. She is awesome. She's in GoBundance. She's a single mom. She's crushing it. She did small multifamily, and now she's doing syndications. Um, she dropped some huge bombs in this podcast and a really big one at the very end. So make sure you listen all the way through. Yeah. And one of my favorite ones was how she had, once she reached financial independence, how she had the choice to quit her job whenever she realized that something happened, that she wasn't happy anymore. And then that is the point where some people will think like, oh, I, I cannot leave this because I won't be able to feed my kids. Well, for her she was able to say you know what i don't need this i'm out and so hearing her story behind that was really cool dude i i agree 100 having that option is powerful because now you can decide whether you're going to have a good day or a bad day and there is so much value in that she's you know what i'm going to quit and i'm going to have a great day versus this could have been a bad day so i think that's awesome she did drop one more huge nugget that i'm going to go ahead and give away and she was talking about finding property managers to help you find the deal that's huge because then you can get a property manager you know what i'm going to let mandy explain it but before we get started um let's hear something really quick from our sponsor so diego i'm gonna go ahead and say it over at rei call center if you're a realtor or a wholesaler and you need a cold caller to help you stay ahead of the game or top of mind when people are going to sell buy um or get rid of a property rei call center will give you an amazing cold caller to really further your business all right guys let's get started Welcome to the Rat Race to Five podcast. Um, I'm really excited that you're here. And I got my co-host, Diego, who's in Puerto Rico, living it up. He looks a little tan even just on the screen. So I'm sure he's getting some sun. Mandy, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? Uh, all the goods. Oh, hi. I am Mandy McAllister. I am uh, a small multi-investor, a single mama out of the south suburbs of Chicago. Um, I, for you know, 16-ish years was in medical device sales, chasing doctors around to support cases. And just four months ago, uh, decided that I'd hit my FI number. So it's time to uh, give it a go doing real estate investment full-time. So uh, I'm a full-time investor these days. So you're a full-time investor, mommy, uh, coach. There's a lot of stuff on your Instagram. I actually loved seeing it uh, the other day. You were nominated by Kayla to get you on the on the show, so we were super excited to have you. But Mandy, tell us a little bit more about yourself, uh, high school and college days. Let's take it back because something made you into a real estate investor. I don't know about you, but I didn't grow up. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to like buy houses and fix toilets and manage people and all this. Like so, like that wasn't where it came for me. But tell us about you. Like, what were you like in high school and college? I love toilets. No, I, uh, I grew up on a farm. So if you guys ever need to bale hay, I've got you. Uh, so my parents were both self-employed because it's, you know, farming, whatever that's that, that, you know, entrepreneurial gene, I guess I was kind of born with it. Uh, <clears throat> when I was 12 years old, I started sewing scrunchies 
and selling them to like the local cheerleading squads and volleyball teams. But, you know, because there was no internet back then, right? And you want to have a matching scrunchie. And it just blows my mind that scrunchies are back, but whatever. And I made a couple thousand dollars in that summer and it was just kind of got bit by the bug and then uh, ended up playing volleyball in college. And the last division one scholarship that was left after I hurt my knee was a little school in Georgia called Mercer. So I followed volleyball down there. And uh, when I was 19 years old, I was, I remember being on a porch of a, you know, some house, at a party of a friend's and she was explaining to me that her dad bought the house and that she rented the rooms to like our friends and i'm like and you get to keep that money that is the best idea i've ever heard in my whole life That's funny. so you know that plus you know then i had a couple of really strong entrepreneurial lady landlords for my next couple of rentals that i i was kind of bit by the bug pretty early on Interesting. So going into college and stuff, you already knew like what you might want to be doing. I, well, I thought I was going to go to medical school actually right. out of uh, high school. Cause I mean, if you're a smart kid, well, if you're, the same 26 kids I went to kindergarten with are the same 26 kids that I graduated high school with. If oh, you want to like the better scores, like you're supposed to be a doctor or a lawyer. Right. So, um, actually in college ended up having a conversation with a cardiologist that, oh, you're, you're gonna be on call with this beeper and you're gonna hate it. So you better love medicine if you're gonna go through with medical school or get out now. And actually like the week after that conversation, I switched to the business school and ended up with a, a master's in economics instead of a, a medical degree. But a big time punchline to my life is that, you know, I made that life choice at like 20 to, to not go into medicine because I didn't want to be on call. And then I end up in uh, sales in the business side of medicine. And you guys, I was on call from a sales job. Isn't that like the, the universe just giggling at me? Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. So you think you on, have your own plans? Here's the beeper. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> on that sales. So from what I understand, uh, on the sales side, uh, when you're selling to hospitals and and all of that stuff, it's a uh, like the salary or the commission base that that you can make is actually pretty good, correct? It's it's really it's good money. But the thing is, if you let's say your quota this year is a million dollars and you sell two million dollars, you get a really nice reward that year. But then next year to make that base pay instead of that that multiple pay, you now have to sell two million dollars because you proved you could do it. And you end up really kind of chasing your tail, chasing commission is what I always called it. Dude, I would purposely, I would purposely like sell just enough to where I'm comfortable next year. You're a sandbagger. That's what we call that. <laughs> that's what I would do. Dude, so that's like the rat race, right? Like they yeah. built up on your rat race even more, even on that commission. It's like, hey, you're going to run the rat race, but you get to build what it looks like for next year. That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. So you that have 14 years of creating your red race of my tail yeah so my first job out of under out of grad school was uh the board of trade so my dad farms plus masters in economics equals board of trade right and it seemed super obvious that the pits were going to be going away so then that's you know four or five years in i switched to to medical device sales so it you know the industry itself kind of changed in terms of how they compensated their their reps over the course of, of my 16 year stay in medical sales. But it, it, it again became very obvious that they're really getting pushed down those comp plans. And in order to have choice in my life, and I actually had a boss like tell me to do something that was like, 
ethically questionable in terms of growing my sales. And I was in a position that I knew my mortgage would be paid and my kid would be fed because of my passive income so that I felt safe to say, no, bro, I'm not doing that. So Diego, isn't it like that as a realtor as well, though? Like there's not like a rule that you have to sell more houses than you did last year, but like mindset wise, isn't that where a lot of realtors are? Like they're like, oh, I got to do better than I did last year. I think I've even heard you say something like that. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's like sort of like you want to grow and you want to continue growing. Um, and this is the first year personally that I didn't sell more than I did last year. Um, but it was a personal choice. What because I'm competitive in this sense, I know that if I did want to, I could have probably sold 80 houses, but I made the choice not to. Um, but it's good. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Felipe. It's sort of that. How can you continue growing? Right, right. Okay, so Mandy, so you were in medical sales. Did you play sports in college? Did you do anything else in college that was interesting? I mean, I, I played volleyball um, and my recruiting class, get this. So I guess it was a real common name in the 80s, but I'm Mandy, Amanda, right? So my recruiting class was four girls. So Amanda, 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 and Amy. We call ourselves the A-team. We still get together with our kids. It's, it's super fun. Oh, uh, but I was, I was in a sorority too and... Uh, I don't know. I always like to be in charge. So I um, ended up, you know, heading some committees with that in the <clears throat> Panhellenic, whatever. The, yeah. So I'm after, always an involved person. You're always involved. I love it. Okay. So medical sales pays really well. Why did you decide to stop and do more real estate? Like what was the transitional period? What was the wake up moment? I feel like everyone has that I like to call it your, uh, your, your, your toilet bowl story. I don't know if you've listened to Brandon Turner's podcast when he, he talks a lot about his toilet bowl story where he was, uh, changing a toilet or something in one of his rentals. He was a millionaire cash flowing like eight or $9,000 a month. And he like looked up one day and he was changing a toilet at two in the morning at one of his rentals. And he literally just stopped and was like, I'm never going to do this again. I am going to put systems, processes, and procedures in place so that I never have to change another toilet in my life. Uh, and he said that's where his exponential growth started, where he started hiring and marketing the right people. So do you have a story like that, Mandy? I have a couple, actually. And I, I guess I, I can't learn a lesson the first time. So the universe keeps giving me things so that I learn <laughs> the lesson. Well, the, the first one, you know, um, my son was born in 2016 and I was working 12 or 13 hour days. And I, I realized like, oh my God, this is unsustainable. I'm not spending time with my kid. Like, why do you have a kid if not to spend time with your kid? Well, I won the president's club and I got all these awards and I big trips and whatever. And then I realized like, no, this is not the path I wanna go, right? So I kind of downsized the territory, I took a different territory thinking like, ooh, this will fix all my problems. If I'm not hustling, driving around as much, this this will, will fix that problem well. Um, in that transition, that boss kind of asked me to do that, you know, ethically not cool thing. And uh, I was sitting, story number two now, I was sitting in a um, parking deck and I couldn't like catch, I couldn't breathe, right? Like, cause I wasn't hitting my quota cause I had had that president's club year. And now in order to, you know, just hit the number that they'd given me, I have to double again, right? So um, it was in that moment that basically this boss is telling me you have to do this because you need to hit your number. You're not hitting your number because you won't do this. And I, and I had this like kind of panic attack. I think, it, I think probably clinically it was 
a panic attack. And then I realized, oh my gosh, I have enough passive income that I'm not going to be the, you know, single mom under the bridge, not able to feed my kid. Like I'm going to pay the mortgage and we're going to eat ramen, but we're going to live because of this passive income, where does my attention really need to go on the thing that's growing my life and is sustainable and is actual job security or the thing where this questionable boss is pushing me to do something that I'm not cool with. So that really, you know, that was probably 2018. Uh, and I doubled down on my efforts on multifamily investing and went from, you know, able to cover my, my mortgage to financial independence in just, you know, three or four more years. So there's a lot to unpack there. Um, that's, that's the story we wanted, right? Like that's, that's, I feel like a lot of people have, and I'll, I'll jump into digging into the story a little bit more, but I feel like a lot of investors have that moment, right? That panic attack moment, I guess I'll call it for, for the sake of this interview, where you, you know, it's like a pivot point, you know, that real estate is sustainable, you know, you have the guts and glory to do it. You're in a place right now where you're not, you know, doing it. And then someone tells you to do something unethical or you're not hitting your numbers. And then you have this light bulb moment, this panic attack moment where you're like, I'm going to double down on real estate. And I have yet to find that person that didn't say it was worth it for them. You know, a lot of people talk about like, oh, the crazy uncle who lost their shirt in real estate story. I've never had that. And honestly, I'm going to be 100% honest on this podcast. I've never heard that. I've never heard someone tell me like, yo, you shouldn't do real estate because this. Now I've had obstacles and tribulations to get into real estate, but I've never had someone tell me that it's like bad or that they lost their shirt or that that like that they shouldn't have done it. And every person that I've talked to about real estate is like, dude, I wish I would have started sooner. You know, everyone talks about that. So in 2018, you doubled down on multifamily. How did you fund your deals? How did you find them? Tell us how the journey began. Like, how did it start out for you to start to get into multifamily? So right out of the gate, kind of, I uh, jumped into small multis. So like I was bit by the bug at 19. And then in 2008, I bought a condo in Chicago that I had planned to burr. Um, like, oh, everything's going out. Like we're we're in the correction now. And it's going to appreciate so much refinance into something else and have a renter in this and well that we weren't all the way to the bottom in 2008 so i didn't for express purpose buy anything for investment until 2016 and that was a fourplex it was a hundred twenty thousand dollars that i was scared out of my mind to buy i was scared out of my mind uh and i got a 30-year fixed loan on it and you know, someone who'd been doing it a long time, I, I talked to him about the deal and he's like, yeah, that's a good deal. I'm like, someone who knows what they're doing thinks that I know what I'm doing. So then I, I pulled the trigger on that one. And not only did I not die after I, I bought that first fourplex at the beginning of 2016, it was cash flowing like $800 a month. So like that was a really good first start. So uh, after I acquired that one, I, um, you know, bought a sixplex and then I bought into a syndication and then I realized, oh, oh, wow, like you can run out of capital pretty quickly, but I can just leverage the equity in this other stuff in order to get into other assets. So um, that's really kind of how I started because I, I would rather that my choice was rather than get into syndication where I leverage other people's money and own a very tiny little portion of an, a bigger deal, um, then I have this floor of earnings that's just mine. 
if it's if it's my portfolio or a joint venture, me and a partner. Uh, so that floor of earnings really kind of uh, made it so that I could swing for the fences. So so you went from a fourplex to a sixplex to then starting to uh, put some money into syndication deals. Um, what was the process of from multi? So, okay. So in your story, you said earlier that like buying that first fourplex was the scariest thing. And then I want to move on after that. But I do want to ask this. What would you tell someone that's in that position right now? That's like, like Mandy back in 16, what would you tell yourself now that you were so scared to buy that fourplex? And I'm sure you're super glad you did. But what would you tell yourself? And what would you tell other people that are in the position listening to you tell this story? They're like, hey, I want to do the same thing, but I'm kind of scared. So HP did a study of people looking to get promoted in their business and men felt like that they needed to have 50 or 60% of the qualifications to go apply for that promotion. Women felt like they needed to have a hundred percent of everything in order to even just apply for that promotion. So women have this feeling largely, not everybody, but just largely that we have to have it all together and have the answer to every last thing in order to go try anything new. The thing I would tell myself is you're going to have to let go of the branch at some point that 80% of anything you do is your mindset. 20% is the mechanics. You, if you understand those mechanics of what you're doing, the, 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 if you understand what an NOI is and an IRR is, and that you're going to get the returns that you're going to get, like you got to let go of the branch and see if you're going to fly. And the thing that helped me feel comfortable around that was not just, you know, oh, what if the toilet breaks and I have to be at 2 a.m. Brandon Turnering because I whatever. It's the actual worst case scenario. Get really stoic philosophy granular about the worst case scenario that, you know, oh, the worst case scenario is that this this vacancy break even is 40% or whatever that is. And if you can get comfortable with that downside, mitigate the risk of that actual worst case scenario, then it's a no brainer in order to move forward. I like that. 80% mindset, 20% mechanics. That's really smart. Um, question for you, Mandy, on your first deal on that quadplex, did you fund it putting 20, 25% down? Did you use private money, conventional loans? How did you fund that? It was $120,000. Uh, so I, I put 25% down and used just a, a conventional um, residential type loan. Um, okay. So it wasn't, I, I had some savings. I had a, a good job that I I'd stocked, stocked away a bunch of cash, but um, all in, you know, $120,000, it was, you know, I don't know, everything in order to furnish the, the student rental. Awesome. And how did you find this first one you said? Um, a thing that I did accidentally, this was an accidental mistake and actually I teach classes on because it, it worked out so well and I've seen it work out well uh, subsequent to uh, my own experience. I figured out what market I wanted to be in. I figured out the type of thing I wanted to do. I made a really kind of laser focused decision. And then I found a property manager who was doing exactly what I wanted to do. And I didn't realize it at the time, but property managers in most states, you have to have a real estate license in order to be a property manager. Well, I was, hey, do you know anybody who's gonna be wanting to sell? Can you help me? I wanna use you as my property manager. Can you help me find a four or five, six flex that I'll be able to go after? And they're double incentive because one, they get my property management business and two, they get the buy side of that commission in order to help me purchase it. So partnering with the property management firm upfront is how I did it and I think is an excellent strategy moving forward. 
That's a that's a really good comment. I don't think I've heard of that one. Um, and I know it makes sense. I always tell the members over at Rat Race to Fi that before they buy a property out of state, make sure that there's a property management company that will manage it and that or, or that already does manage that property, um, which is a great you know a great indicator that it'll be fine. But I never would have thought about maybe if you're going to find a property out of state and you know the market you want to be in, start with the property management company and find out if any one of them are going to want to sell. Because you're right, as investors, and we, if we have a property manager, the first person we tell that we're going to sell is probably our property manager. Like, hey, I'm interested in selling this property. Let's make sure that it's vacant, yada, yada, yada. Uh, so that's actually a really good strategy. I, I like that. I'm actually going to have to write that down and tell my members later. <laughs> yeah, and what's what's good about that one too is that um, like you also get the, the correct information of like how many repairs they had, like when was the last mm -hmm. time that maybe the AC was serviced, all of that, because they're, they are tracking that. If they're a good property management company, they have receipts, the payroll, I mean, the right. rent roll, all of that. So yeah, that's a no I, I feel like in terms of underwriting, in terms of acquisition, the, the thing that I kind of harp on is you've got to figure out how to put the most truth to the problem. And if you, yes. just like you said, Diego, if you're going to the source of how it's been managed, you get the most truth possible. I agree hundred percent. So you got the first fourplex, then you bought a sixplex. Tell us your mindset shift into syndications. Why did you do that? Why didn't you continue to grow slow and boring? Like, like most of us do with real estate. Why, what was the jump to syndications? Well, I was a passive investor in the, the syndication. Yeah. Uh, um, <clears throat> In terms of, I knew I wanted to go bigger and potentially leverage other people's money. And in order to, the reason why uh, is the type of debt that you can get on larger multifamily properties. Well, I always call it the black hole of uh, uh, financing in small multis. You're going to do a four unit or smaller. You can get that normal, really good 30 year fixed residential type loan. Or if you're going to borrow a million dollars you can get government backed, super low rate, longer term, lots of interest only, non-recourse debt. Non-recourse means I'm not personally liable if everything all hits the fan, right? But there's this kind of black hole in the middle. So I bought the six plaques. It was in that black hole uh, of lending. I could only get a five-year term loan. It was a much higher rate, all uh, lots of prepayment penalty, no interest only, all kinds of not great stuff. So I knew I wanted to chase the bigger stuff. And in order to do that, you have to have a resume. And I had self-directed IRA funds and a friend that was putting together a deal. I loved the business plan. So I, I went in on it. And to this day, I, I feel like I prefer um, passive investment in syndication to being the active person in syndication because you know that's where all the money is made is with the people who have the money in the deal, 70 to 80% of the returns go to the people with the money. So tell us more about the syndication because people are going to be interested. Can you give us the nuts and bolts of the deal? What's the return? What's the position? Like, can you give us uh, some sauce on that? Sure. Of course. The, that first syndication that I passively invested in, it was, um, uh, a hundred and, uh, four ish units or something. The previous team, saw a one unit uh, studio unit and a studio unit and decided that if they drilled a hole and put a, a spiral staircase, that they've got this really neat duplex type unit. Well, what they actually did is they took like a $500 rent and a $500 rent and made a $700 rent. 
So if you're looking at a net operating income, what you need to do is maximize the, the dollars that you can collect in rent. And if you go from 500, 500, 1,000 to 700, you went the wrong direction, right? So the business plan was basically just to uncarve all of those mistakes that the previous team had made, uh, put them back into serviceable two units for each um, uh, duplex type thing. And it would then be 130 units, which boosted the NOI like crazy. And we were able to um, exit that asset um, making, I, I think it was, we doubled our money in two years time um, just by executing that business plan because NOI went through the roof when we brought more uh, units online. And that's the power of, of syndications, right? Like you can double your money or even sometimes more than that um, by just proper management. You know, if you have the right systems in place, you grow to scale, you're raising the rents. Um, I, I've seen some great, and Diego and I are starting to get into some syndication stuff as well. So we're excited to hear the story. If it's, it's the power of multifamily, right? In my opinion, the bigger returns, I call myself an equity hog sometimes, I wanna own as much of an asset as possible. So things that you, if you're considering getting into syndication, every, like, it's a wonderful mechanism that's gonna help you get to goals depending on what your goal is. Understand that this last deal that I did, 104 units, um, I brought a million dollars and I'm doing a bunch of the due diligence and I, I'm doing asset management. Uh, what percentage ownership of that overall deal do you think I have? Just take a guess. Uh, Diego? Well, if you say you brought a million dollars. I helped from raise a million dollars from oh, my friends and family. Mm -hmm. So at that point, you're a general partner, potentially. I am. Okay, yep. cool. See, I know a little bit. On that. You got it. Uh, and uh, I would say maybe 20%. What do you think, Felipe? I was going to say 25, 30. Uh, of the overall deal, of the overall deal, I own 1.9%. So understand that if you're talking to people who are syndicators, they make a big fee on the front end, they make a big fee on the, the back end. But in terms of that cash flow that goes to my bottom line every single month, I get 1.9% of what that throws off. So it's, it's a different type. It's a job. It's a different type of a job. I just got out of a job. I don't want another mm. sales job. You know what I mean? So make sure that you fully understand what the end is before you start approaching, because it looks sexy, right? Like that, oh, I've got 300 million assets under management. Well, you know what retired me? My my 22 doors, not yeah. the, you know, 300 and whatever For that sure. I've got in syndication. That's interesting because I, I'm the same way and we teach this in Rat Race. Uh, a lot of people ask us like, hey, should we go short-term rental stuff? Should we go flipping, wholesaling, syndications? You know, if I'm an accredited investor, should I do this? And I always tell them the same thing. You got to reach five first. You got to have financial independence through passive income of real estate. Before you try anything else, that's my goal to everyone that I talk to. You got to have your core fill in the blank doors. For me, it's 18 doors and those doors have retired me and my family. I can sit here at two o'clock and do a fun podcast because I now know that my rental will cover my expenses at bare minimum, right? I mean, I'm not driving a Ferrari on those doors, but I also don't have to yet. Well, actually, I just bought my dream car of my Tesla. So I do have my Tesla. But what I'm saying is like, those doors have provided me the freedom to go and look for syndications or short-term rentals or or do my rat race mentorship and, you know, things of that nature. So 
uh, I tell people the same thing. You got to reach five first. You have to build your foundation before you do anything else. And that is the most important thing before you start playing with your money. Build your foundation for you and your family. And I think too, like pretend you're a syndicator because I, I they, that is the way you're approaching trying to get out of your day job, right? Like if you, you basically, the bulk of what you're paid is an acquisition fee and a disposition fee on the front end and then one on the back end, right? So I would ask some of my friends kind of coming up through the multifamily stuff with me who were syndicating, well, how will you know when you can quit your job? And they'd be like, well, I just get, I just got to do this acquisition fee and that disposition fee. And then all I've got to do is three deals a year or four deals a year. And then I can quit my job. And I'm like, but what if there's not four deals that are worth doing? Then you're doing deals that you have to do because you've got to feed your kid, right? Like if you've reached five before you go do a deal, or at least this is how I've approached it. My having reached five before going to do syndications mean that I know that I'm waiting for the very best deal rather than doing a deal because I got to feed my son. Exactly. Right. I and, agree 100%. And, and also like, you don't know what's going to happen in four years mm -mm. or like in three years or whatever, right? So it's like, there's that, like success leaves clues or whatever, like history. But at the end of the day, you don't know for that particular deal if it might make more sense for you to actually sell it next year or like a year later because you're doing certain types of renovations or maybe you thought that maybe you could update the roof on all of the things in a year, but it's actually taking two years. So your like all of your numbers make better sense to sell it a year later and you are already trying to get rid of this deal so that you can fit your family. And that is not a good position to be in as a potential GP. Because uh, then at that point, you feel like the GP potentially is like trying to sell you. It works the same thing as a realtor. It's like, you know, when the realtor is convincing you to buy that house because they need that commission in 30 days, right? You feel that salesy. Well, I mean, in terms, I've been a sales rep for the bulk of my career, right? Like I show up with a different energy if I'm knocking it out of the park versus I am not hitting my number and my boss is telling me to do weird stuff, you know, like it's a different energy. It's a different focus and it's a different willingness to like overlook things that you wouldn't necessarily, even though it's a, an, a totally full of integrity person, you might like, oh, maybe this exit cap won't be a six. Maybe it'll be a five and a half in terms of my underwriting so that I can take something. It's a, I'll take bigger risks if uh, um, I'm under the gun. Another thing for me, Mandy, that I would that I would say is I think it's a little irresponsible to ask for partnerships, be in syndications or, you know, maybe partner with people on flips or whatever. If you're not financially independent in that, the last thing you want to do is say, hey, guys, we got to sell early because I got an emergency or, you know, hey, I need I need I need more cash flow or I got to sell my position. Right. Like it's it's almost un, it's irresponsible if you're going to bring a partner, when I look, when I look for partnerships and I talk to people, I'm interested in like, yeah, how good the deal is, but I'm more interested in you as a person. Are you financially stable? Are you independent of a job or are you require, like if you lose your job tomorrow, are you going to want to sell this position? Uh, what's our exit strategy here? You know? So if, I think financial independence is kind of like, kind of like, like where the Bible says love covers all sin, right? It's like you, if you can reach financial independence, then we're probably going to be okay in a lot of deals because we're not going to be stressed about having to exit the position because you have a financial strain or I have a financial strain. So I think it's responsible of me when I come into a syndication, when I come into a deal, when I offer money or when I call Diego at 11 PM at night, because I have a business idea, 
he knows that I'm financially independent and that I'm not going to be like, yo, we got to sell tomorrow. I'm sorry because I'm hurting fill in the blank here, right? Now, things happen, 08, emergencies. But if you're financially independent, you're probably more going to be more of a responsible investor and that's what people are looking for. So add that to your tool belt before, I think, before you're you know doing a bunch of other stuff. You got to take care of home before you can take care of anybody else. I see all these investors on Instagram. They're like, oh, I'm going to do short-term rentals first and that's going to give me my financial independence. And I'm like, my friend, like I get what you're saying and there's high cash flow, but there's also high risk and things like that. So like, I'm always like, dude, please reach five first before you do anything else. Like that's just responsible for your future business partners that you don't even know yet. Um, we just went on a tangent there, but I think everyone listening is going to appreciate I agree. that. Yes. <laughs> no, um, question for you, Mandy, what, um, what was that feeling of like the, you know what, because of my passive income, I reached financial independence and now I have the choice. Mm. Like, Oh, I like that. Yeah. Like what was that feeling of like, you know what, now that I hate my job or whatever, like I hit that story, right. It's sort of like, I don't need this. I have the choice to leave and do whatever I want. It was kind of interesting. So kind of the first step was that that job where I had kind of the questionable boss. Um, I, they were going to promote me to a director level, or I was going to take a job with a different company that was a, a huge step back that would give me way more time. Well, I chose rather than the promotion to, to take a huge step back. And in so doing, like it kind of helped me, like it was basically half the money. So it helped me kind of see what it was like. Like I, I, you know, I really am just living off of my uh, income from my properties. And then like, I realized I um, kind of arbitrarily just had this idea of $15,000. That's what I need. And then I can quit my job. Well, I hadn't ever done the math, you know, and I think that there's a lot of people, and this is kind of when I went down that five rabbit hole that I just got to do the math. And there's a bunch of different levels, in my opinion, of financial independence. There's, I'm going to pay my mortgage and eat and my kid will survive if I lose it all. Right. And then there's everything is covered. And then there's everything covered with a buffer. And then there's, I'm buying the jet. You know what I mean? So I want to understand what each one of those levels are. I made a little calculator. I'll share it with you guys. It's just an Excel spreadsheet because it helped me figure it out. I don't need $15,000. I need like $8,962.25 to feel good and have that choice, right? But the big piece of what helped me get there was I mentioned medical device sales. Like I... I supported cases. Like I would run all over if Dr. So-and-so at this hospital decides he wants to put this heart implant thing in, I got to drop everything and run to that hospital to support that case. Not a lot of like concentration or deep work can happen in order to move forward a portfolio in that case. However, COVID was this tremendous, you might've heard of it was a tremendous blessing to my life because I got to sit in this chair for three full months because they completely locked down uh, elective procedures, which mine was one of. And in those three months, I figured out the math on that, oh my God, I can actually leave. And not only that, did four transactions of three single family homes and a multi and made more than twice what my day job was gonna make in the year in those three months. So if I prove to myself, if I give more uh, focus to this, wow, I really should be betting on myself and I have the choice that everything is covered. So COVID was a real gift to me. You know, there's two things in this, in, in what you just said. One, uh, your fine number is not as astronomical as most people think. 
when when I reached Phi in 2020 at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, with the, which, by the way, the pandemic was also a blessing for me, so we can talk about that. But Phi, I was like, no, I need like, I don't, I, maybe 10, 12, $13,000 a month. If not, like, it's just not going to work. And I'll never forget, it was like February or the beginning of March. My wife was like, um, I, I think, I think we've reached financial independence. And I was like, what? What do you mean we th you think? And she's like, well, so she starts pulling up the spreadsheet and she's like, look, and she's like, well, between five and $6,000 is our average monthly spend. And you're making about $7,600 in passive. I think we're okay. I was like, no, babe, there's no way. Because like, and I just kept like making excuses of like, no, I got to keep working because there's more that needs to be done. And my wife was like, not only have we reached financial independence, you've passed it by $1,000 a month average for the past six months. But if you stop being a mover, which I had a moving company, if you stop moving, like if you put this, the business down and you focus on rat race to financial independence, your mastermind, and you focus on building relationships to buying more real estate, I bet you could double, triple this in the next year. Uh, and she's like, we'll, we'll, we're going to be fine. And I was, and she's like, plus we're in the pandemic. Like what the hell are you supposed to go out and do anyways? So I was like, okay, you kind of got a point there. And then to your second comment where you talked about the pandemic, we have noticed that two people came out of the pandemic. Those that, that, that like took it and got hurt and like are barely now up and coming again because of work or like just stayed home. And those that took advantage of the situation to like to the max, like bought real estate and and leveraged and built relationships and educated themselves. They just use the time super wisely. Um, tell us about how you used your time wisely to like better yourself after or during and after the the whole pandemic. Yeah, I so much of it was <clears throat> I saw all this opportunity and I would have to say no because I couldn't follow through because I I had my time was committed. I was still working 60 hours a week chasing these procedures around. So just a chance to sit still and pursue the stuff that I had always seen in front of me. Um, like that, that's what it was. But I, I will say too, like to your point, uh, kicking the can down the road, like once you like the chase of financial independence, right? Like it's, it's just like the chase of lots of other things that once you get there, you're like, the dog that chased the car that caught the car, you know, like, what do I do now? You know, like, I, I know that feeling. And I feel like that's probably pretty common. And I could have stayed in my day job for a lot more years and been fine and continued to grow my portfolio would have been a lot slower. But here, here's the thing that happened. I got a chance to, to serve on a panel at a, a boot camp of like 800 people. And, um, a colleague was in the audience and basically I said, Hey, I hit my financial independence. I'm uh, basically going to leave my W2 in Q1 of next year, whatever. And uh, long story short, um, my boss left and there was a bunch of shuffling. And that guy who was in the audience who heard me say that became my boss. So he wow. calls me like right after he's like, Hey, that thing you said on that boot camp is that for real? Cause I need to think about like, hiring somebody else if that's the case. And so it went from this idea that was interesting and cool to like, oh my God, the baby's coming. I've got to do something about it, right? So I, I don't know without that push from the universe if I would have taken that jump because you know trusting yourself is a hard thing to learn. Diego and, always, and I always say in Rat Race about putting it out in the universe. And I'll let Diego talk more about that. 
Well, um, sure, Felipe. <laughs> well, well, at the end of the day, it's one of my beliefs that it's like the frequency and the things that you share, that you put it out there, the universe is going to work for you from that perspective. And it's up to you to take advantage of those opportunities. And if you're doing it right, it comes those push, whether you, whether you sort of like were expecting it or not, because it's just going to flow. And right. I feel like that is what helps a lot of people um, take actions, like that extra push that you needed. The, the baby was coming, right? So no, I totally get it. I, I agree. Putting yourself out there and saying it, it kind of made the universe, like you said, Diego, work in your favor versus against you where sometimes we feel. Um, I guess, Mandy, my, my next question is like, where, what's next for you? Where are you headed? What are you doing? More syndications or, you know, what is, what's, uh, what's next? So one thing that I didn't anticipate in my first, like I've, I've been self-employed uh, for a full quarter now. And I didn't, like, this is not something that I anticipated. But um, remember how I said, like, I saw this opportunity and I just wanted to do it all, right? So, you know, if you're starving and you go to the, the Chinese food buffet, you get way too much food and you take on way too much opportunity if you're starving for it. And then after the end of the first quarter, I ended up bloated of low main and MSG and opportunity. You know what I mean? So I ran <laughs> way too fast. So one thing that I'm working on now is dialing it back. Like the reason that I uh, am leveraging financial independence and I chased it for so long, so hard is because I want to be the mom that goes on the field trips. You know, like I want to get my kid off the bus every single day. Now, does I'm your does your kid want you to be the mom that goes on the on the <laughs> field he's trips? five, so he still likes me. So I'm gonna enjoy take that. advantage of it for now. Yeah, I know. He, I've I got a couple of years till he realizes so I'm uh, annoying, but um, or not cool. Yeah, not cool. But that so that plus I I feel strongly that you're given two arms for a reason, right? Like one to pull yourself. But then the other one to pull other people up along with you, uh, you know, two arms to pull one, pull yourself yep. up and one to pull other people up with you. Uh, you I started a women's group, Aspiring Women Achieving More, and we're mostly real estate investors. And uh, just it's, it's focused on the whole woman because so many of us are moms. So many of us deal with that analysis paralysis that comes with we need to be perfect and have 100 percent of everything to move forward. So that's been super fulfilling. And then the pull myself up thing, I joined a mastermind called Go Abundance which was tremendously life-changing you guys like the chance to be at a table talking about anything life with someone whose company was just valued at 12 billion dollars a different set of ideas comes from that person than you know uh my uncle joe lost his shirt in real estate you shouldn't do it like it's a different conversation if you involve yourself with that and because of that, um, I'm partnering with a woman who has a, a short-term rental property management firm. And we bought an 18-unit motel. So we're going to run it like a short-term rental. And nice. uh, really excited to see where that goes. That is awesome. That is awesome. So I've been part of GoBundance since 2014. And uh, back when there were only like 30 people, 35 people. And that has been instrumental for me in on my journey to achieving financial independence and being an investor and all of that. They just started the women's division like uh, yeah. two years ago now. I was member 36. So it's cool. really neat to kind of see our progression. And it, it's just, you know, it's, it's a different conversation altogether when you're with people mm -hmm. who are like-minded. Yeah, that's awesome. We talk a lot about that in Rat Race, uh, about finding your tribe, finding your people. It's important. 
because like my, some of my best friends are not real estate investors. One is a stay at home dad and one drives heavy machinery and we don't talk real estate and that's okay. But cause they're like my, they're like my exit. Like we could like, we don't talk anything business, but like you got to have your tribe to keep you accountable to your goals and your real estate and the things that you're going to do. Uh, Mandy, I think earlier you said that you're a single mom. Uh, you're in real estate. You, it sounds like you like there, that there's a lot of hard things against you than other people and you're still crushing it. And, and I would say partially that is because you did find your tribe and you're doing awesome. And not just that, like you said, with your other arm, you're building a tribe to help other people, which it puts you in a perfect position for success, right? You're putting yourself in a position with high level individuals. You're putting yourself in a position to help other people, which I, I think is awesome. I, I think too, that like these hard things that everybody's got hard things against them, right? Like I firmly believe that, but I've, I've made the decision, like just the life decision that those, the thing that sets me apart, that's hard, like being the only woman in the room in multifamily conversations. Well, you know what? People will remember me. That is a competitive advantage in a world where everybody is clawing for attention. So I kind of, you know, flipped that around and decided how, okay, if I've got sellers that are getting a thousand yellow letters on their, you know, 20 unit property, how am I going to stand out? Well, I, I made a mailer that was my kid <laughs> that says, when it's time to sell your apartment building, pick us. And it's my cute little two-year-old at the time picking his nose. You're going to remember that because I call myself the cash flow mom, you know? That's so hilarious. how do you take the thing that is the hard thing against you and make it a competitive advantage? I promise you, you can. That's amazing. Wait, wait, for those that are watching this on YouTube, you got to bring that back up. That was the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and another now, hack, now, he was what? my model and I got to pay him. Oh yeah, you got to write it. I was just about to say, you got to write it off. Heck yeah, I did. That's hilarious. Oh my gosh, I love that. For you guys that are not watching, go to our YouTube channel. Uh, you'll see Mandy. She's got a picture of her baby up picking his nose and hey, pick us whenever you're going to sell. And you're right. That would probably be one of the ones I'm like, you know, I'm going to keep this. This is pretty funny. Or at least I'd call you and be like, Mandy, where the hell did you get this idea? And then that conversation would start. So it would definitely work. Mandy, you've spent an hour with us. Thank you so much for everything you're doing, impacting women, uh, helping other investors and in everything you do. I was raised by a single mom, so I have like a heart and a passion uh, for 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 single moms taking action, getting out there, putting yourself in the in the, in the world, and and investing uh, in rat race. We we definitely encourage everyone, but especially you know women in real estate, to go out there and do your thing. Uh, Mandy, my last question is: Was there anything that you wish that we would have asked you, or that you want to tell the audience um, from a real estate business or investor perspective? Uh it's, it's a, well, it's a life thing. It's an investing thing. It's a mindset thing. Mindset is everything to me that you got to be really careful with what your thoughts are because your thoughts become words, your words become actions, your actions become habits and your habits become your life. So start where it's easy. If you're saying the, the negative self-talk stuff, like get rid of it. That's where it starts because you, if you're not believing in you, then, then who's going to. So I love it. Yeah. So, um, Mandy, my last last question for me is where can people find you? Uh, thank you. The, the best place to find me, the catch all for everything that I do is MandyMcAllister.com, M-A-N-D-Y-M-C-A. 
L-L-I-S-T-E-R.com. It has information on the Aspiring Women Achieving More group. Also, uh, Good Fortune Capital, which is my uh, syndication investment arm and all the other shenanigans I'm up to. Cool. That's and amazing. for the audience, what is your Instagram? Uh, at Ms. Investor Agent. There's a link through the website, too, if that's cool. difficult. Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. I just typed in Mandy McAllister on Instagram and it pulled up. So okay. that's okay. perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and you have great content too. So thank you, you. Well, Mandy, thank you so much for your time. Again, that's it for Diego and I. Mandy, have a great rest of your day and we'll hear you next time. Bye. The Rap Race to Buy podcast, where we discuss money, mindset, real estate investing, and ways to achieve financial independence. Whether you are a rookie or a veteran needing new ideas for investing or creating side hustles, you're in the right place.